Welcome to the Imagine MomCast. This is your host, Elaine Kohanowitz, and you've come to the right place if you're a mom and you're looking for real talk, real help, and real fun. All right, so I am here today with uh, one of my really good longtime friends, Mary. And the reason that I wanted to uh, interview her today is because to me, she has always just been um, someone who really is in tune with the spirit of God. And every time I'm around her, I feel inspired to just want to be closer to the Lord. And of course, you know, I guess as you would, I don't know, expect or maybe not expect, um, you know, it hasn't come easy for her. And she's, you know, had to work at it over the years. So hopefully that's encouraging to all of us. <laughs> That we could, you know, um, hear God's voice and and just um, be more involved with the fruits of the Spirit. So I wanted you all to hear her testimony and kind of like where she's come from and, and where she is today. So we're going to just start with, um, I'm going to ask you, Mary, like what kind of just how you became a believer and a little bit of maybe about your background of, you know, where you started out and, you know, why you even became a believer, like, you know, how you grew up and that kind of thing. Well, first of all, Elaine, I just <clears> want to say thank you for having me on your, what do you call this? A show? Podcast. A podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that now I've dated myself. So, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but thank you so much. I'm actually, I'm very honored that you would do that. And I was just remembering when we when we first met back in the 90s. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah. It was at, uh, did you live in an apartment? Yes, yeah, yeah. And you had a small group? Oh, did gosh, did we? I don't remember if it was in the apartment, but we were involved with some small groups at that time for sure. Well, I met you at a small group before you were pregnant with Daniel. And so, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family and, and, and faith in, in the Catholic family is, you, we were a strong Catholic family, but I, I didn't quite understand, you know, I would go through, I went through all the rituals, but I just didn't have a relationship with the Lord, really. I just would do all the things you're called to do, you know. I really wanted to understand God. So we would, we went to Mass a lot and, um you know, farm, family, religion was a big part of my growing up. You know, mm -hmm. we would say the rosary, you know, my dad would have us say the rosary and everything. And, oh, wow. and then when I when I hit middle school, I, I started questioning, you know, how do you get to heaven? How do you go to heaven when you die? Mm -hmm. And there was a, there was a, high school or you know you would go to the like in middle school you would go to the catechism the middle school catechism yeah. and the high schoolers were combined i think and there was a, a guy who had he was catholic and he came and he had this big giant cross that he would wear and i knew there was something different about him hmm. and i i was always talking to god you know and i always felt like i had this ceiling or a cloud over my head uh, but the ceiling, like he couldn't hear me. It, that's how it always felt. And I, I wanted to know him. That I, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Well, it's kind and, of amazing that, you know, as a kid, like you felt so strongly that way. Because I think sometimes we grow up, we just, I don't know, you, maybe you just don't realize the importance of it because you're a kid. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's really awesome. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I think. I think the only thing I can say is that God, not not to down anybody who didn't have that type of a relationship, because God is always drawing us, you know. In John six, uh, He says, Jesus says that the Father uh, draws them to Me, to Him, and so, and if you look up that word "draw," it 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 can mean drag. <laughs> so, so God was basically just dragging me to you know, <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it but I what I learned was those who hunt those who seek they will find 
And I was seeking in my own little child way. And then middle school, I had, you know, the horrible middle school years, horrible, you know, rejection or whatever you go through in middle school. Everybody's insecure in middle school. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I was an I isolated myself anyway. But and then high school, I had stomach aches all the time. So I, I really believe in hindsight, I was probably depressed um, oh, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I would get stomach aches. I didn't want to. But I was faithful to go to school and, you know, I finished school, but it was not for me a very happy experience. Mm. And I know a lot of people have different experiences and I don't like to put that on other people. But for me, it wasn't. I had my moments. So and that was good. I had yeah. good moments and that was enough. It, it got me through. But what it did was it gave me this hunger because I couldn't stand anymore to feel the way I felt. Guilt, condemnation, all of those things, self-hatred, whatever you want to call it. And then my freshman year in college, I went to MU and my brother Mike, we, I'd only been there a couple months or less, probably a month, and my brother Mike, he, he uh, got saved in a Pentecostal church. Well, that's a really big switch. <laughs> yes, that was huge. And he came through town and he was talking to my other brother and I and I just I listened and he he said two things. He said, "God heal God hears my prayers and he heals." And my brother had no idea that that's what my heart what was in my heart. He had he had absolutely no idea. No none. And I was just like, finally, finally, this God, I, I, I might, I, I stand a chance. I stand a chance. And, um, you know, I love, I love my Catholic heritage. I love that. And that's, that's, that's been a wonderful, you know, the devotion of the Lord. But I was not able to, from Mass, from um the sacraments, I was not able to connect with the Lord the way I needed to. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I, I was seeking wherever. I didn't care where it was. And, and so my brother, but I knew I would know the answer when I heard it. It's kind of like, you know, when I, when I, when I was getting married and I went and looked for my dress, my wedding dress, I saw the dress, I go, that's, That's my dress. Yeah. I just knew it. And so when my brother was talking to me like this, I go, I, that, this is this is what I've been seeking all my life. All my life I wanted to know. And I was only 19, but you think you're so old, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, then he said, I said, well, I asked him the big question. How, how do I go to heaven when I die? Because nobody could answer that for me. There were a lot of, well, you, you know, pray this prayer or you, you know, you, you do this or you do that. But I knew that those weren't correct I, because I had done those things and I didn't feel like it was an answer. And he said, he said, well, you need to accept. I said, how do I go to heaven? I want to go to heaven and be with God. I want to be with God. And he said, he said, well, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I said these words to him. I said, now, Jesus is, is really big in the Catholic Church. Jesus is, is big. You see Jesus on the cross. You, yeah. my, my favorite, my all-time favorite Mass, even to this day, is Good Friday. Because we, we would kiss the feet of Jesus. Yeah. We, and and it was so powerful to me the the symbolism of that Good Friday is right. my still to this day my all time favorite and so um so then he when he said that I'm like well and this actually came out of my mouth I said I don't know who this Jesus is these words came out wow. I don't know who this Jesus is but if that's what God wants me to do to get to heaven I'll do it. And at that moment, I was saved. Wow. That yeah, that was. But that's place. but that's kind of like mind blowing because it's like you knew who Jesus was, but yet 
you didn't know you didn't know him, I guess. Is that like yes. the bottom line? Yes, I knew about him. I knew a lot about him. I knew all about the stations of the cross. I knew that he had died for my sins, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what that meant. I just yeah. knew that he had died for them. You yeah. see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and they, I mean, Jesus is, he's the big guy in the Catholic Church, you know. Yeah, yeah, Mary, people would pray to Mary and everything, but Jesus was, and we talk, I mean, even when I was little, my cousin and I, I remember her saying, hey, let's, let's clean. We've got to clean. I go, oh, I don't want to clean. She goes, well, let's just pretend like we're, you know, Jesus is coming any minute and we have to clean the room. And I'd be like, okay, because I, I love Jesus. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to please Jesus, you know, the son of God. So yeah. I knew he was the son of God. I knew he was God incarnate. I knew he had come to die for our sins, but it, it was like Greek to me. It was, it was like Greek. And so the only thing I can say is that when you're saved, you know, you're saved. That's the, I mean, that's the only thing. And then did I question after that? Absolutely. All through my twenties, I started having people preaching to me. So I, I didn't stay in the Catholic church, although if God had called me to stay, I would have, but Mm -hmm. he, he called me to, to not stay. So I'll get back to my brother. So he, uh, a year after that, I I would, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at a Catholic. Uh, some nuns prayed for me, and I know. Really? That, yeah. That's it was so a, cool. See, see, back in the 70s, there was a charismatic um, awakening and revival in the catholic episcopalian a lot of the um more traditional churches experience this revival so the catholic church is having this awakening that in in the mass in and all of this is the gospel right yeah you just don't realize it and then so uh, a year after i had uh, i i went and did that retreat and then i remember i went back to college and there i am at the you know, the Newman Center, it's the Catholic Church on campus. And I'm in Mass, and I'm like, don't you guys see it? And I could see everything. It was like my eyes just popped open, and I could see I could see the tabernacle and the, you know, the, the curtain that was rent in two. And, and so all these scriptures that I had been learning about, I, I learned about the blood covenant, it was just came alive to me. And I was just so excited because... The word was is everywhere in the mass, the wow. word of God. Yeah. And yeah. So but after college, I was, you know, my brother would say, OK, now that now that the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, I I still had battles with the Lord. I mean, I, I remember one time I, I it was almost like an angel and I fought, <laughs> you know, in the spirit and. Was it like, was it like just, you know, something that was ongoing, you know, for a while? Or was it literally like something, you know, in the middle of the night or something like that? It was, uh, well, that first year after I had, my brother had witnessed to me and I said, well, I don't know who this Jesus is, but I, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it was like this, I still had more to, to learn, basically. Mm-hmm. And the, the learning was, he's not just my savior, he is my I have to accept him as my Lord. Mm. And this is from not knowing anything. You you understand that all these people who had gone to Protestant churches and had heard the gospel, I had never heard it in that way. Yeah. So, yeah. so this, all of this is really the work of the Holy Spirit, really. Right. I mean, and so that moment where I I had that battle with the Lord, he was like, you need to accept me as your Lord. You need to give your life to me fully. Oh, right. And he even used that word, Lord. Those thoughts came flooding in. Oh, okay. I yeah. know. I know. So so I didn't have a lot of terminology, but that one thing I did, I that one thing, that one moment. And um, I'll tell you, I, I want to go back to when he, my brother first talked to me about the Lord. And I said that, uh, 
that ceiling was gone. It just disappeared just like that. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going back to the very first time I actually heard the gospel. And I remembered that guy back in high school who, or middle school, who wore that big giant cross. And he was like glowing, really. And then, uh, so here I am in, in college on this campus and my brother's talking to me about this. And then I said, well, I've got to go to a class. I've got, and I was taking a choir, 500 member choir, you know, at MU. And he, I said, can you walk me to class? So he walked me to class and we opened the door and this is the, we're talking within an hour of hearing the gospel, right? I, I opened the door and guess what they're singing? What? Handel's Messiah. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. 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 And I look at my brother. I go, that's God. Way before that phrase was invented. I go, that's God. (laughs) So it was like, what? It was like all these angels were singing. And then years later, I heard the scripture about when when one comes to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. And wow. so I'm like, that's what happened. And, he even, <laughs> and God even got 500 people to sing it just for me. That's you know? awesome. That's just, awesome. just for me. So I took everything very personally. That and 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 I just did. I don't know why or how, but because I I was so desperate for God at that point. I was so depressed. I was so desperate. I was so sick. I was lovesick. I wanted to have somebody who cared. You know what I mean? Even though I had family and everything, I was just so hungry for God. That's the only thing I can describe it. So here I am now a year later, and I'm battling with God. And he says, Mary, you need to make me your Lord. And I go, oh, no, that's too much, because I knew what that meant. That meant that if he's my Lord, that means I have to give up my rights. I, I have to give up my will, my rights. And I didn't Now that's where I didn't have terminology. But I knew and I fought him and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. But finally, I conceded. And it was in the middle of the night. And then I woke up and my brother must have been at the house. And I said, hey, Mike. And he goes, hey, Mary, I, I had to t- I have to tell you, because he's new in the Lord, too. And he says, I, I have to tell you that you need to accept him as your Lord, as your Savior and your Lord. I go, well, <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. Too late. I did last night. <laughs> I did last night. So that, that's, my, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is awesome because it was like God was not only like just hammering you, but he's like, if I'm not going to get to her, I'm going to go through the brother. <laughs> yeah. So he was going to double, double duty, make sure I got the message for sure. <laughs> so, and then my, my brother Mike would talk about, well, now that the Holy Spirit lives in you, you, you know, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit. And I just thought that was the silliest thing in the world. So how do you do that? And right. so here I am on campus at MU walking around. And one time I just, you know, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. And I just stopped and I said, okay, Holy Spirit, if you say that you're going to lead me, lead me. You know? Well, <laughs> nothing happened. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> it's like, go to class, you know, <laughs> but slowly. And then three years of silence. I didn't know how to, I didn't know I was supposed to read the Bible. I didn't know anything. I, I, my brother would talk to me, my dad, he, he, you know, we all, he, he witnessed our whole family. So we were all, you know, my dad, I know was already a believer for sure, but the rest of us were seeking. And so we were like asking all sorts of questions and, so I, I didn't even know to read the Bible. And then in college, um, he opened my eyes to the word, which was amazing. And I started reading it and like, like Psalm 51 was mm-hmm. a big one, you know, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And so I spent a lot of time with that one. And then, and then even though that ceiling had gone, it was like he was there with me. It, I mean... Oh wow! I, I don't even have language. I mean, yeah, 
now I'm, that's another thing. I didn't have language for any of that. You know, like some people came to my dorm room once and they were trying to witness to me and they said, well, I don't even know what denomination they were from. They said, well, what do you, what's going to happen to you when you die? I go, well, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I that's knew awesome. that I, I knew yeah. the answer to that question. I'm going <laughs> to heaven. And because my brother told me so. And, and then they said, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? And I said, well, because God loves me. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that wasn't the words they wanted to hear. Uh, they wanted to hear, well, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and which is totally biblical. And so I just gave them those poor people fits because I was determined that I was going to heaven and it didn't matter what they said. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I spent a lot of time just reading the word and then I graduated and started going to a non-denominational church so then then spent the whole um, most of my 20s questioning am I really saved and you know dealing with that depression and um, Psalm 40 for anybody out there who's listening who's struggled with depression Psalm 40 was probably the number one verse for me and and so I had a lot of amazing encounters with God and he delivered me out of that slimy pit from Psalm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So and Why so do you think the depression came back? Was that I mean, was that just something different or was that related to the same types of well, things? Well, I I think uh it came back because I didn't know I didn't know God uh, I didn't know, I mean, I knew God, I knew Jesus, and I knew the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lived in me. Um, I, I hadn't been, I'd been baptized in water as a baby, but um, I, I did get baptized in water, and that that helped, too, because there's this outward commitment. And I asked the Lord, I said, well, why am I supposed to do this? He said, because I said so. I go, well, that's good enough for me. And <laughs> So I got baptized in water. I'm like, you know, and the the guy teaching us in that non-denominational church, his answer was not adequate enough, and that's why I asked the Lord, and and the Lord didn't tell me anything other than just obey me in this one, Mary, and don't worry about it. I'll I'll explain it as we go because I had I talked to God all the time because the, I mean that ceiling was gone. That now I might have a cloud of depression following me but that thing that separated me from God was gone and I think when I started when I gave in to the lies of of Satan because I believe he's very real uh, you know about who I was I fell back into the depression Mm. and so I had to learn walking in the Holy Spirit how to maintain that freedom that's the only way I can word it like you know, the minute the enemy starts trying to lie about who I am, the accuser of the brother and accusing the the bride night and day, day and night, the Satan is out accusing us. And so uh, it just made me stronger. You know, it made me be able to pray for people and have total confidence that, that not only can they get set free, but God wants them to be set free. And the lies that the enemy tells us about who God is is the thing that will keep us down. And so I would read scriptures about that I might know him, that I might know the Lord. And that knowing is such an intimate thing. That knowing is such an intimate thing. And so as I started asking him, how do I know you? So how do I know you? I would I realized that all I had to do was deal with whatever was on my plate, whatever he was showing me at that moment, that's what I would deal with. And when I dealt with that, then the enemy couldn't hold that against me anymore. See what I mean? And so I just would just deal with what he gave me, deal with what he gave me, always seeking and seeking him. And one day I woke up and I wasn't depressed anymore. That's just, Oh wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and I would see like in my spirit, I would see dark swirling clouds like I was going to get sucked into a big black hole. Mm-hmm. And um, and people that have had depression, that's what it, I, 
that's what it felt like to me. And yeah. was I clinically depressed? I don't know. Um, even though I know I, you know, I worked around depressed kids when I taught, um, I probably was clinically depressed, but I was determined to not get on medication. But mm -hmm. no, if you need to, you need to until yeah. you, but it, it, that's just a temporary for me that in my mind, that, that was just temporary. I, I wasn't going to let the enemy keep me because, you know, it's a battle. It's a battle. And the Lord, it was the Lord wanted me to be strengthened in my spirit, man, so that I can fight that. You know That's what I mean? Right. So it's like just dealing with the lies of the enemy and filling your mind with the truth and, yes. and filling your mind. Like you said, like sometimes you, all you can do is just do that day. All you can do is do that moment. But yes. like focusing in on God for that moment that day in in, yes. in his truth for you yeah and, and what i learned about depression for me was that it was rooted in if the layer below depression is fear anger self-hatred all of those things but even a layer below that is self-pity mm -hmm. and then the layer be below that is pride so self-pity is a victim mentality or mindset. You, you're you only a victim. I mean, I'm not talking about, yes, if somebody attacks you or hurts you, you are a true victim. I'm not talking about that definition. When I say victim, I'm talking about somebody who feels totally powerless. And at that moment when you are being attacked, you are powerless. And so I'm not speaking about that. I'm speaking about... The enemy attacks us and we feel, and one of the lies is that we're powerless and we're really not. Oh, wow. And you you really have the power in the spirit to say no to that, to the enemy. You have the power to stand. And the scriptures are very, very, very clear about that. And so when I, when I doubt and I can't stand, I go back and I look at, well, what lie am I believing? And it is almost always about who is God and how does God see me? That is always the root of it is, is God loving? Does God love me just as much now as he, as, as when he created me in the, before I was even born, my spirit right. was, was in his heart. He, he made me. And so you know, so I'm like, is he a good father? Yes, he's a good, good father. And he is, he's not like any other father on this earth. He's not like any other mother on this earth. He's not like any other human being on this earth. And so when I, when I grasp that, his love, then, then I see, then I can say, oh, well, I can't be beating myself up because all you can do is behold his love. I know that sounds weird, oh, yeah. but when I learned, you know, I, I spent a lot of time navel gazing and trying to get myself healed, and you just can't. It's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's there is so no getting yourself healed. It's You can't do it in your own strength. That's how you got to where you were to begin with. <laughs> So when you were reading the Bible then, and you were saying like the Bible's like coming alive to me, I mean, does that mean like you're reading it and all of a sudden it's like he's talking directly to you? Like, yes, yes. So like I'll pick a simple scripture, like uh, Psalm uh, 23 is one of my favorite. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I would read that and I would just, it would just be like water was pouring over me. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but, but when, if, when I believe the lies of the enemy, the word, oh, you're no good. You're, you know, what, what makes you think you're so special? Well, I'm not, this is for everybody. Well, it doesn't matter, you know? And so I had this constant internal dialogue with, with the enemy and, and then that's when I learned, actually, that is when I learned that a lot of the things that I think thought were my own thoughts were not. They were either the enemy or they were the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'll be, I'll read the word and I go, oh, wow, this is really cool. 
and I'll read it. And, and then the Lord will start showing me things. He'll start showing me how that applies to my life. Like um, in Psalm 23, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty amazing. When you live in guilt and condemnation and you're fighting depression and everything, and you can stand and say, God, your word says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If I can sit at a table and eat of you in the presence of my enemies, that that's pretty powerful. You know yeah, what I mean? Really. I have the victory there. So he's telling me all this. Well, those really aren't my own thoughts. That's really him showing me that, right. showing me what he's wanting me to see in that scripture for me. And then, and then, You know, there's so many, I can't even, there's just so many scriptures that that he used like that. Like, um, John, he'll say, do not let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus said that. And I'm like, oh, I don't trust you. So I immediately say, Lord, forgive me. I'm not trusting you in this. And and when you humble yourself, see, humble yourself before uh, the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. What's another? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I realized that this self-hatred I had was really a false humility. So there's just, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. And it's and layer it after layer. kept using the word to just take away those lies. Yes. Yes. And I had to, I had to, there were many times as an act of my will, which he wills in me to, he, he works in me to will and to act that's in Philippians. But there were many times that an act of my will that I had to not listen to that lie. And I had to say, even aloud, I choose to believe you, God, I, I I've had to, but this happens too. I'll wake up one morning and go, why do I feel so terrible when I felt so great? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And I I got out of that place. Every time I get out of that place, the enemy is right there to just, you know, lie to me. And it's right. my choice. Do Am I going to stay in the Lord and, or am I going to? And, and the biggest lie is God doesn't love you. You're no good. You know, the enemy wants to put guilt and condemnation and shame. And there was a pastor um, at the church we all used to attend. And he, I, I walked in the door while he was speaking and he said, the question is, are you grace led or are you guilt driven? Hmm. That was in the, 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 you can't say the nineties. The 2000s, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the zero zeros. The zeros. <laughs> but the 2000s. And when he said that, I that was it. It was, it was so powerful. I was just like almost smacked up against the wall because I had to admit to myself that I was guilt-driven. Every thought, everything I did, I did out of guilt and condemnation. And yeah. so... I'm my biggest enemy, see? So I beat myself up, you know, and, oh, I didn't do this right, or I didn't do that right. See, that's where that depression comes in. It's just real, for me, that's my trigger points. And so if I can if I can catch it before I start spiraling, yeah. then the enemy, you know, it's just, you just brush it off like it's dust and go on. It's nothing. So here I was. I got saved made Jesus my Lord and Savior a year later, I'm getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're telling me I'm to pray in tongues and all sorts of okay, things. Okay, okay, so stop, 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 because there's <laughs> gonna be people who like have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Like being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so um the minute I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I had discernment. Like I I can't explain it. That all of the sudden I could see where that was a snare for me that was no good or i need to avoid that or oh wow what is that what does the bible say i mean what is and did i know perfectly no we all we know in part and we see in part that's the scriptures but with 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe gifts are imparted. And I believe that the Lord gives gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, so did you feel like the gift of discernment was what you received at that time? Yes. And I believe that that is for everybody. You know? So I'd just like to point out that you, um, so you, you know, received the Holy Spirit when you got saved. And then, yes. like, again, you, and it's not like the Holy Spirit ever left you, you know, you continue to have the Holy Spirit. But yet, when you say you were baptized, like, it was like a special kind of, you know, filling of the Spirit. And that that yes. can happen more than once. Like, it's not like, you know, it. It just has to be that one time, you know, necessarily, but that God, you know, spoke to you and gave you a special insight or could be a special gift because of the spirit being with you. Yeah. And I do believe I do have a gift of discerning of spirits like um, in my own life or even like with my daughter or, you know, just people. And I don't go around and see demons or anything like that. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, seeing what what might be tormenting that person. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like if I'm, if I'm praying for that person, uh, a lot of it is in intercession. And I'll see just uh, the enemy just attacking that person. And so I might see what that is. It's like um, hopelessness. You know, or so when you say you see it, does that mean like it's just like a word in your mind or do you see like a vision of something or does it depend? It depends. I've seen like I like once I saw a question mark over somebody's head. I don't actually see it like I'm touching it. I see it like in my spiritual eye, like almost like an imagination that mm-hmm. it's like um you know, when people say, oh, you're just imagining something. Well, right. probably you're not. Yeah. See what I mean? You know, but, you know, you could be very fearful and you could see things that really aren't real because the enemy likes to trick our, try to mess with our minds sometimes. Really. But how do you know? That's always like yeah. a million dollar question, well, you know. Uh, if it's if there's peace, the enemy doesn't seem to be able to counterfeit peace and the enemy definitely does not counterfeit love like like somebody who's struggling i just can feel that love pouring out of me and it's not me it's the holy spirit and like when i talk to you or any of our friends i feel the love of the father in you guys because the love of the father lives in you you see what i mean so so the enemy cannot counterfeit that there is no counterfeiting counterfeiting that but, the, you know, our hearts are deceptive above all things, right? So our hearts are deceptive. And so I've seen, you know, myself, I'm like, oh, I know, I know this is right. I know this is right. It was totally not right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Were you talking, when you say that, does it mean like, was it, an, um, what wasn't right? Was it like a word you had for someone else or was it just something that you thought you should do or... Uh, most most of the time, it's something that um, I thought I should do, like I should go here and or I should pursue this. And it was motivated really out of my own need to be loved or something. You know what I mean? It was not it was not the Lord. So my own brokenness or just my own human i'm just human see that's the deal we're all human and and god made us to need him so you know the the gifts are there to help us they're 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 like tools to help us along the way they're not the holy spirit they're the gifts of the holy spirit right and i guess you know just like a baseline of course if you if you think god is speaking to you and it doesn't match with his word then that's not God exactly. for sure. For sure. So and, that's, and you can, I mean, you can t- twist the word too. And, and so you have to be very careful to not take the word out of context or anything like that. But sometimes he highlights a word just to, just to, to explain something to you. And, right. and it might even be 
you know, like, I love you with an everlasting love. Well, <laughs> that's, you can't go wrong with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I can take that one out of context. See what I mean? I don't have to take it in the context of when he was saying it because that is eternal truth. Right. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, um, but I, I don't like taking the word and just isolating it all the time. You've got to really take it in context if you're wanting to understand that word in the context of what's going on. But if he's just using it to encourage you, you maybe don't have to do that. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Yeah. But so, it always has to it always has to line up with the word. Like, you know, I hear stories of people that go, oh, no, God told me that I need to divorce my husband and marry that person who's still married to somebody else. Right. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that happen. And I could see I, I, I could see the deception in that. Right? right. We know that's not true because the word would never agree with that. Right. 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 I can't right now think of any other examples in the word. Maybe you can, Elaine. But you have to really where, dis- where you have to be discerning and not and and make sure you don't just like you said take it out of context or or just only take one little verse or you know one little part. Right. That's exactly right. So and speaking so, of marriage, so yeah. tell me, so you and your husband kind of come from pretty different backgrounds, right? But you've really come together. I feel like in your spiritual walk. So tell us a little bit about like how that looks or maybe the progression, you know? Well, okay. So, you know, I met guy after guy after guy and I just said, God, I want the best. I want the best. And so somebody had given me a, a, even a prophetic word because I do believe in prophetic words are to encourage, exhort, you know, encourage and and, uh, correct but mostly they're to encourage mm-hmm. and, and I needed encouragement because I was, I was 38 when we got married. So that's a long time to wait for a guy. Yeah. To come. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I just had somebody praying for me. I just said, pray for me. I, I don't get why I'm not married yet, whatever. And they prayed and they, they just felt like, you know, they're hearing from the Lord and I needed, I needed, a sister to walk alongside me, you know, and to support me in this and encourage me because I had all these people saying, well, there must be something wrong with you if you're not married yet. I mean, literally pastors, peers, whatever, there's something wrong with you, Mary, you're not married yet. I mean, they didn't say it like that, but they, they were very free to say, well, you should do this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, you know, if wearing, makeup, if wearing makeup is the reason why I'm not getting married, then maybe I don't want to get married. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you you know, long hair or you have to lose this weight. Or I mean, I had it all. I've been, you know, see, see why you really need to, we need to have our heartbeat in the Lord. We need to hear uh-huh. his voice because the enemy will use anybody. <laughs> Even, Even the people in your that own like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these people all loved me. They were just trying to help. Yeah. So, and so, and so it was good because it strengthened me, but I said no. And so my friend prayed for me and she said, I just really feel like that the Lord has somebody out there for you and, and that he will be perfectly suited to meet your needs. Well, not my wants, (laughs) but my needs. (laughs) And, and I got him, and he's a, a prince. He's he's a prince. He's uh, riding on the white horse and all that. And yes, he is. He's a great guy. He is a great guy. So, but in light of that, he is there to meet my needs. And what I needed was somebody that I that to not worship. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody that would let me grapple with God. Because God is my Lord and Savior, not my husband. He never said, oh, I'm your husband. You need to do, you know what I mean? He never took those scriptures out of context. He never did any of that. And that that's, and, and he's always been there to support me and protect me. So yeah. he's, uh, even in the spirit, you know, he'll, like, I'll, he'll, 
I just know the minute I got married, it was like, huh, oh, all those years I was having to defend myself, protect myself, always wow. be on guard, you know, for the, the, the vultures or the guys, the wolves, that's the better word, the wolves who, you know, just were out for no good. But he was, he was, he was my protector. So he has been all these years. And so he, you know, I told well, him. Well, I will say like, you know, for those of us who got married young, I mean, I don't think we appreciate that. I mean, I think eventually I appreciated that and could see, you know, what an incredible benefit looking back, you know, just having my husband there. But it it is. They protect you. I mean, I think in this day and age, we sort of forget about it, you know, because we're in this modern age. We're not really like literally at war or anything like that. So we, you know, kind of forget that that's a major role that they play, but they do. They play it day in and day out, you know, uh, keeping us from bad people, bad situations, you know, protecting us financially, just all these things. And then, and then on the flip side, I've had friends that have gotten divorced, and when they lose that, like it's so apparent, you know. And, and they say it, they talk about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like, you know. I'm sure it depends on the person, but in the case of some of the people I've known, you know, like they were stay at home moms, you know, so mm. all of a sudden they weren't financially protected. But it wasn't just that. They just just overall, you know, any kind of um, bad thing that came in, like I had a friend that had DFS come in, you know, like you just you don't have that kind of stopgap against yeah. those those scary situations. Yeah, and I find also not just physically, but spiritually. Oh, right. There is a protection that just by the mere fact of, but like, okay, so let's say you're married and your husband isn't that. That woman is is, is like a, um, a widow mm-hmm. because that man is letting all this in to their marriage. Yeah, yeah. Like if he's into pornography or something, you see, then it lets in a whole horde of chaos. Right. Marriage. And so he is he is this protector and she is also uh, there to support him and help him because the same word for helper helpmate in with Adam and Eve is the exact same word to describe the Holy Spirit. It's the exact same word. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So it's like there's this beautiful thing in marriage that I've learned from being married. I would never have really understood it, you know, so I'm grateful for that. But like Bill is like Joseph. If you think of Joseph and Mary, you know, he was there to protect the baby Jesus. He was there to protect Mary. And so Bill is Joseph for me. And my name happens to be Mary. And so here I am going, yeah, is this guy the one? I'm, You know, and so I have all these little, you know, my list of, okay, God, this has to happen before I, I'll, I'm, I'm for sure he's the one. You know, I've been, you know, I've been around a long time. There have been a lot of guys who've come and gone. I need to really know. <laughs> It's not like when you're young and you're in love and you get married and God just marries you to the right person and in your ignorance. I'm right. I've had to say no time after time after time, you know. And um, so here comes Bill. And one of the things that I, I said was there was a scripture in Luke where it says, Joseph, the angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid to make to take Mary as your wife for what is conceived in hers of the Holy spirit. And so I'm marrying somebody who wasn't all freaky charismatic. Like I was. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet. He's quiet. See, I'm loud and out there and all that. And he's quiet, but he has many gifts, but he's quiet. He's not like me. And so there's that balance, right? So here we are. Dating or we were engaged at that point and I'm we're holding hands in church <laughs> and that scripture, I had that scripture out on the table. I'd given it to the Lord. Nobody knew, just the Lord and I, right? That scripture is in my heart concerning Bill. 
And the pastor gets up. It's around Christmas. We were engaged in November, Thanksgiving. And here it is Christmas time. And he is talking about Mary and Joseph. And he quotes that scripture. And Bill looks down at me and he squeezes my hand. And I go, oh, okay, God, I know. This is <laughs> you brought my Joseph. You brought my Joseph. And, and so he's, he's, he's this. So I watch all the time. I watch the nativity movie because I see Joseph, Joseph. God brought Joseph. To Mary. I love that movie. I do too. I agree with you. I just love their relationship. It's just so beautiful. It is. And that's what I have with Bill. And so with all the rocky and the smooth and everything. And so now, so like he, like, okay, so when we were at the church that all of us were together and we had a, a, a small group and we're, he and I are hungry for the gifts of the spirit to be op- walk operated and, and people to get draw closer to the Lord. And um, somebody in our group said, well, why don't you just teach on it? And we're like, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> we started teaching on the gifts of the spirit. You know, we're in a vineyard. I mean, John Wimber, that's, he, you know, that was the gifts are amazing. And so, yeah. um, Anyway, so he, um, so the t- came time to pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I had to go down and watch the kids. So oh Bill, wow! Bill taught it. He he researched it. He studied it. The Lord gave him the word. He taught it in our little group of like five or six people. And so they all were praying for each other for to be filled with the Holy Spirit all while I was down watching the kids. Oh, my gosh. OK, so I just have to explain why that is so okay. ironic, because <laughs> I mean, I think everyone can tell from just hearing you today, you know, that you're, you're like really into it. And you're, yeah. you know, at times you I mean, it's not like you're like over the top or anything, but you love to talk about it, you know, and that Bill is this kind of really quiet person that's sort of yeah. unassuming and you would never guess <laughs> that he would feel this way, you know, <laughs> but he did. And he, he was, he was filled with the Holy baptized in the Holy spirit, uh, back in his twenties, early twenties. Wow. And so he's just more quiet and it's just there and it's deep in him. And, and, uh, for me, it's he's just been so patient, you know. I mean, yeah, we're all impatient. That's just the way life is. And, you know, you deal with all the bad, but you have all this good, you know. And so and you I have you have one daughter and she yes. just is just got into college this year. Yes. Yeah. And she is an amazing young lady, I have to say. She's also oh. beautiful. And well. So are your Jesus children, and you. very talented, and <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> your children, amazing. Well, yeah, but I had I have six, so I had plenty of like chances. You know, you only had one, and you did really good. <laughs> oh, she is amazing, and so people like even in high school, the teachers would when I go to parent teacher conference, they would say, "You must be an amazing mother," and I would say. <laughs> Yeah, well, well now I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> yeah, I know you're laughing because how many times have we I'll call you or, you know, our other friend. So I don't want to say names, but I'll call the other friend and say, what do I do here? And you guys are like 15 years younger than me, but it doesn't matter. And I even taught, you know, and you guys were such a huge help. You you just have no idea because everything I'd learned just went out the window and I only had have one kid. Child. Right? I only had one kid. Well, you I helped us too. Right. I, think it, I think it was mutual. So. <laughs> oh, you guys were awesome. And and so, you know, one kid, how do you, you know, I grew up in a big family and here I had one child and you, you were only had one sister, right? And then, yeah. that, right? And then you have all, all these kids. So we were like the flip. Oh, and I right. Was, that was funny. I thought that that was funny because, see, you could help me. You could explain to me how this works to be an almost an only child 
almost. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, and then actually I would my say, sister okay. was a lot older than me. Yeah, so I was almost an only child. Yeah, and, and, and I was able to say, oh, yeah, being a middle child, here's what you need to look out for. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but um, so, yeah, so I would just say to those teachers, yeah, no. Anna knew the Lord way back when she was three years old. She accepted the Lord. I remember. So yeah. The Holy Spirit has been working in her since she was three. So I'm not taking any credit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all the bad God has taken care of. And she still calls Bill and I and talks to us and everything. And, you know, your first year you're lonely in college. But I think she's going to be okay because she... She has a really solid foundation, and you know. So I mean, I, I feel like you, you know, just because of who you are, and I guess you know who you and Bill both are, but you definitely just were really open with her about you know the Holy Spirit and God, and you know not just your beliefs, but just um, you know, trying to hear God's voice. And I remember you telling me a really cool story. You have to tell everyone about how you guys went out that one day and, and just asked God to lead you. Um, do you remember that with that small group when you went to the hotel? Oh yeah. Okay. So Anna's in high school and we're in, we're living in a different city now. And, um, we're with these, pastors that are it's it's just a ministry i've got one church but we're part of this ministry and they do what they call treasure hunting and so you just you get your little group together so bill and ann and i were one little group and we just sit there and we just ask the holy spirit you know where you know to show us anything about uh anybody and where where to go, who to talk to, all of this. And so Bill, the Lord, he felt like the Lord showed him Candlewood Suites, which is a hotel, you know. In town, and, like in your yeah, town. Yeah, and then the Lord, I felt like, gave me a name of somebody, a woman. And I don't know if Anna, the Lord showed Anna anything, but then the Lord showed Bill, like, the color of a shirt, right? That's all we had to go on. Okay, so these pastors are like, okay, now go. And we're like, what? <laughs> go where? And, you know, you've been hearing me talk passionately about the Lord. Okay, yeah. well, I don't, when everybody who's listening to me, I just don't go up to strangers and start talking to them like this. I just want you to know that. <laughs> if somebody gives me permission, I, I, I'll talk about the Lord all day long. That's right, all, because right. that's that's my life and and everything. But anyway, so the three of us got in our car, and we went to Candlewood Suites, and we walk in, and nobody's around. There's just a gal behind the counter, and right when we walk in, this guy is getting on the elevator, and he has the color of shirt on that Bill had said that the Lord had showed Bill like red, let's say red. And we're like, well, we're not going to follow the guy up the elevator. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're on a treasure hunt, right? So we're sitting there in the lobby going, well, what are we going to do? This is terrible. There's only one person in the whole room. It's the gal behind the counter, yes. the fourth oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> so she's going to get it. So I say to Bill and Anna, I said, I'm going in. So I get up, I go up to the counter and I say to her, I'm just honest. I go, I go, well, we're part of this church ministry and we're on a treasure hunt. And so we asked the Lord, I just told her what we did. I said, we asked the Lord what, you know, and the Lord gave me this name. And so I'm just going to make up a name, Jessica. And I said, is your name Jessica? And she said, she said, no, but I work with a Jessica. Oh, I wow. go, uh, uh, at the hotel. And I go, uh, okay. And I realized that her shirt was also, okay, now I'm remembering back. Bill had gotten a man in a red, let's say red, a man in a red shirt, 
Yeah, because you don't remember the name and you don't remember the color, but there it was specific. It was specific. Yeah, and and so, but she had a color that was, I don't remember the details, but I did know that she had the color. I said, well, she has a color shirt on. I'm going in. And so uh, I did. And so I just started talking to her and we, there, there are people that do the same thing and they have way better details and everything. We were just really flopping around like a fish on a dock. I mean, it was terrible. So, but I went ahead and I just went with it and I said, well, I said, so we're on this treasure hunt. And so I got this and she goes, Oh, I said, well, do you, do you go to church? She said, yes, I do. And I, I live in this town, but I haven't been. I'm in college right now, and I haven't been to church. I go, well, is there anything we can pray for you? Because really, it's just an open door. It's not. It's okay. just an opportunity to introduce yourself, and if they want prayer, ask them if they want prayer or not. That's how yeah. I figured it out. And she said, she said, yes, I do. I really, you know, I really want. And she said, I've been thinking about talking to this coworker named Jessica for. A while now. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was so cool. Yeah, it was cool because I was able to to just say, you know, just speak into her life and pray for her, and she was so encouraged. She started crying, and so to her, even though we didn't get it quite right, you know, the the guy in the red shirt went up the elevator and (laughs) got Jessica, and Jessica's not there, but this girl knew a Jessica. I mean, it was pretty lame, to be honest, because I heard all sorts of other stories, and those people were getting all sorts of amazing things. But the whole point is <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's still pretty cool. It was. It was. And, and, and it's not about whether you're right or not. And, you know, when I pray for people, if the Lord gives me, like, a word of knowledge or something, I could be wrong. I'm not. This isn't. I'm not speaking thus saith the Lord or anything like that. I'm just I'm just revealing the heart of the Father to people. That's the whole point of all of it. Right. The point the I think that's the, the really like uh, of your example, you know, like you said, Can I pray for you? You know, what I mean like how could yeah. that hurt anything? You know what I mean? That you that, that to, for her to feel and know that God wanted to speak to her. You know? Yeah. And, and like I was just uh, we went down to pray uh, in our town uh, downtown. And so a homeless person walked by a woman. And so we started praying for her. That was last week. And oh, wow. God, yeah, God just so powerfully touched her. And so I just felt like, you know, that, that God wanted to do something really special with her and that he was going to use her. This is just an impression I got. It was just a thought. And so I just threw it out there. And I said, God is going to use you to help these homeless people and through, you know, to lead them to the Lord because she already knew the Lord. She was already a believer, a homeless person. And so we're like, well, we need to get you into, you know, she was she was addicted to the drugs and all that. And and I asked the Lord, I go, God, do you want me to get her into some program or something? He goes, no, let me take care of her. I've got her. I've got this, Mary, is yeah. basically what he said to me. You don't have to worry about her. All you have to do is this. This is what I've called you to do. And so I did. I just, we, the three of us prayed for her and, you know, I gave her some money. But she said, well, everybody's been, all these homeless people have been saying, you know, you're going to get a confirmation. I said, well, guess what? You got your confirmation. God is with you. The Lord loves you. And I just kept telling her how much the, the father loves her and, and that it's going to be okay, that he's going to take care of her. She needs to, she needs to say no when they are trying to give her, you know, or, or whatever. And she just really responded to it. And, you know, <laughs> it was really powerful. That is awesome. Yeah, and so I've had that type of things happening a lot more lately, and the Lord is really? showing. Yes, and and I believe that's going to happen to a lot of us. Everybody, we're all going to be. Well, I just thank you so much for sharing with us today. It just You're was welcome. awesome to hear um, your own experiences, and you know, hopefully that someone else will hear this and really know that they can hear God's voice too. 
Yes, and you know what? It's the Holy Spirit that does it all. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us, and you might see a sign, a billboard, a bumper sticker, um, a friend call you in an, at a timely fashion. I mean, all of these things, that is the, the Lord, angels, Holy Spirit speaking to you, and every one of them is like a love, a love hug from the Father. That's kind of what he what he's doing for us, you know. So. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Mary. And thank you, Elaine, so much. And God bless you. And I hope I didn't sound too radical. No, <laughs> not at all. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I really enjoyed talking with Mary. She's just one of my favorite people. And I just love the way she interacts with Jesus. I know that we all come from different backgrounds and you know your experience might be a bit different but I just hope that you were encouraged by something Mary said and um, that you know no matter what background we come from or or where we're at you know God wants to be a part of our lives. It might look a little different for everyone but I hope that you know you are encouraged and, and lifted up and drawn closer to God by getting to um, be with me today, and I really appreciate that. If you want to join the conversation, um, visit us on Facebook at Imagine Mom, or you can also visit us at Instagram at Imagine Mom or on the line at ImagineMom.com. We'd love to hear from you.